You're listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here. Welcome back to Talking Law. Today, we're talking about the top things that you should be looking at for in contracts that come across your desk. So why is this area important? I find often business owners and people involved in business just don't read contracts properly, or if they do read them, they don't understand them. And the problem is if you're dealing with contracts in any shape or form, if you don't understand what you're getting yourself into, you're opening yourself up to risk. So there's lots of classic examples of really simple contracts that people sign that open up a whole heap of risk that they never intended at the beginning. Things like rollover clauses in contracts. So they're the sorts of clauses where you sign a contract and you think it's for a fixed period of time. And then suddenly at the end of the term, or you try to cancel and head off to another supplier, you find that the contract had actually rolled over for another period without you intending, and you've now been caught in a new term of the contract. And this happens a lot with contracts that appear to be fairly inexpensive on the face of them, say, for example, waste management contracts, hosting contracts, and various other types of software contracts. But when you find that a contract has rolled over again for a new term, you might actually find that it's really expensive for you to get out of. Other sorts of risk that I see quite often that people have signed without understanding what they're signing relate to indemnity clauses and liability clauses. Once again, these are a sort of area that people often skim over and think looks too complicated, so don't really understand what they're signing when they sign them. So today we're talking about all of these areas so that I can alert you to the risks and in the areas that you really should be looking out for when you're dealing with these contracts to give you a bit of a heads up and so you don't end up in the situation where you've committed your organisation to something that ends up holding a lot more risk or a lot more expense than you'd initially intended. So what's this all about? What are the main things you should be looking out for? There's many areas that you should be looking out for and I'm just going to go through some of the key areas so that I don't bore you too much. But if you want a larger checklist of the sort of things that you should be looking for, head over to our podcast show notes at talkinglaw.com.au where you'll be able to get a download of a checklist of the sort of things for you to go through. But to begin with, what are the things that you should be looking out for? One of the interesting things that I see in relation to contract negotiations is that if people actually decide that they're going to read the contract, which firstly often doesn't even happen in the first instance, if they do actually go through the process of reading it and then they send it out to lawyers, quite often what happens is lawyers will argue backwards and forwards in relation to some certain key areas in the contracts, which are often the indemnity provisions or the liability provisions. So who is carrying risk in relation to the contract and also intellectual property clauses in a contract. But one of the areas that is often forgotten about, both in contracts that end up in the hands of lawyers and in ones that you were just looking at for yourself, simple things like key responsibilities and service levels. So what is required under the contract? 
how it will be delivered, the standard that's required, and what the remedy will be if any of these items aren't met. And if you think about it, these things really are key, essential to any contract at all that you enter into, i.e., what are you getting? What standard should be you be expecting out of it? And what if it, that it isn't delivered in that way, whether it's a good or a service? So this is really the very first thing that you should be looking at in every single contract that you sign. Have you dealt with those fundamental issues that relate to the good or the service that you're receiving? And the weird thing is that even when you sometimes receive really long terms and conditions, you might actually find that simple details like that simply aren't included. And this is what generates a lot of arguments at the end of the day when there's disputes in relation to contracts. Generally, those disputes come back to these simple areas of what was expected to be delivered, either in the good or service relating to the contract at the end of the day, and was that delivered? And if it wasn't delivered, what's the remedy? So this is the very first thing for you to be looking at. And then moving on, there's some other obvious areas that we can point to. So timing and deadlines. If timing is going to be important, then you really need to make sure that is specifically dealt with in the contract. Ensure there's a really clear timeline and a right of termination or other adequate remedies for you if the deadlines aren't met. This is super important because sometimes I find that people don't understand that timing, if it's not specified in a contract, is extraordinarily hard to uphold the other party to. So it's one of those things that you have to make sure you have some sort of commitment to from your supplier. Another area for consideration is intellectual property ownership. If there's no mention in the contract of who owns the copyright and other intellectual property in work produced for you, then it's likely that the supplier will be taken as owning the underlying rights, while the customer will hold a license to the use of those works. So in simple terms, in relation to services, this means that if you as the customer want to use the work again in the future in relation to different things for which it was originally created, you might have issues or you might have to pay an extra fee. There are often reasons why that might actually be a fair and reasonable approach. But there are also often reasons why at times it isn't. So it's important that you at least consider this area of intellectual property. So when you have a contract in front of you, one of the things that should be in your checklist is are there intellectual property issues that are attached to this contract? And if so, have I dealt with them in this contract or not? Or has this contract dealt with those intellectual property rights transferring over to me? And that's super important if this contract to you in relation to your supply, so either from your suppliers or your contractors, then leads to something that you are on selling to others. Because it's really important that you're ensuring that chain of title of that intellectual property. Another area that I would recommend that you have a look at is capturing pre-contract negotiations and promises. So it's really important that if in the contract negotiation phase, you've sat down and you've nutted out certain areas that you expect your supplier to deliver to, that these are actually encapsulated in the contract. Once again, I find it amazing the number of times that clients come to me and tell me that they had spent a long period of time in negotiation, a quick period of time in signing off the contract that came out of the negotiation while they found 
the right supplier to deliver them the goods or services, the hosting contract, or whatever it might be. And say, in the example of a hosting contract, it might be that you found someone and negotiated a particular uptime, say a 99% uptime to make sure your website is available at all times. But the number of times that I've then seen that that has not been reflected in the contract, and therefore when that's not achieved, you're not able to use that as a reason to pull out of the contract, really amazes me. So the thing that you need to bear in mind is if you're having negotiations that relate to a contract, trying to work out who the best supplier is to use, you then need to make sure that that the contract that comes from your supplier contains those promises that effectively made you decide to go with this supplier in the first place. I know this seems really obvious, but it's one of those things that is one of the most missed elements in a contract. So it's absolutely something you need to be putting into your checklist and making part of your process. Another area to think about are indemnity and risk allocation clauses. I often see indemnity clauses that are completely inappropriate for the contracting relationship that they're used in. So you need to start off with a consideration of what risks there are for you in this contracting relationship and how you want to deal with those risks. And then you need to make sure that that's been reflected correctly in the contract. Quite often what I see is that people often just don't understand what indemnity clauses mean. So A, read through them and then decide to ignore them because they don't know what they mean. Or B, they send it out to their lawyers and the lawyers, if they haven't been briefed correctly, may not understand the commercial implications of how this works in relation to your business. So what I'd suggest is that you get some elementary understanding in what indemnity clauses mean and what they mean in relation to your business so you can make sure you're protected in the contracts that you're signing or you involve lawyers to help you understand what those indemnity clauses mean for you. And I think you'll find that after you work through with your lawyers a few times the meaning of these clauses, you'll start to develop an understanding and appreciation for what this means in relation to your business. The other sorts of items that you might want to consider are confidentiality clauses. Is it important for you that there's some sort of protection of confidentiality? Service levels and KPIs. Do you have any right of termination if service levels or KPIs aren't met? Variations. How will you manage variations under the contract if extra things needed to be added along the way? Sometimes variations can be an area that cause a lot of problems because these sorts of issues haven't been thought about at the beginning of a relationship. So it makes sense to put your mind to this issue before you get started. Pricing. How clearly is the price set out in the contract and what will trigger a payment obligation? Here you want to make sure that you won't be required to make payment if you don't receive what you had intended to receive. Another area to look out for is subcontracting an assignment. Can the other party subcontract out parts of the contract? And if that's the case, is that an issue to you? So this might be an issue to you if it's important for you to know exactly who's working on your projects or who gets access to confidential information that relates to your projects. But it may be something that you don't care about. It's one of those things, though, that should form part of your checklist so that if it does become relevant in any particular situation, you're reminded to go back and look at this particular area. Another important area to look at is termination. 
So what rights do you have to terminate under the contract? If things aren't going the way you want, do you have the ability to terminate? Other areas to consider are insurances. So what insurances, if any, should the other party be required to hold? And the final area that I'm going to talk about today is back-to-back contracts. Back-to-back contracts are the sorts of contracts that are there to protect you when something that you are buying or a service you're buying is critical for you to then be able to provide your goods or services to your end customers. So what that means is if you're relying on a supply of goods or services to then provide your services or goods to your end customers, you need to make sure that you are holding your suppliers to the same obligations that your clients are holding you to. So you need to think about what's important to you from the perspective of fulfillment for your client and make sure each of those areas are mirrored in your contracts with your suppliers. Once again, this sounds like it's a pretty obvious area to consider, but it's one of those areas that crops up time and time again that I see overlooked. So that isn't a list of everything you'll ever need to consider, but it does at least highlight the main areas that should usually be considered. And as I said, if you'd like to get a copy of that checklist, just head over to our show notes and you can download a copy there. So how do you go about efficiently going through this process so that it doesn't take a whole wad of your time each time you get a contract in front of you on your desk? The first suggestion that I have is that you do a quick risk assessment. So this means working out what is the risk that's involved in this contract. Some of your contracts will have a very small amount of risk and some of them may have a very high amount of risk. So it's important that you're appropriately managing your time so that you're not spending loads of time on an area that has very little risk and not enough time on areas that have high risk. So second, once you've worked out the risk assessment and then worked out how much time you're going to allocate to reviewing the contract, use a checklist. As I said, we'll provide one in our show notes, but you should also ensure that this checklist is tailored for your business environment. So some of the objections that I hear to dealing with contracts are that if it's a small contract value, there's no point in someone looking through uh, the contract. And I understand that we're all busy and that often we feel that we don't have time to devote to contracts that are of small contract value. But one of the things that I think is really important to remind ourselves of is that it's not always the contract value that is the important consideration. The real importance comes from what the actual risk level is in the contract that you're dealing with. I believe you shouldn't ever sign any contract without at least quickly reading through and understanding what it is that you're committing to. And certainly, it's important that you don't just judge the amount of time that you're spending on a contract on the basis of the value, but instead you should be thinking about the risk level. What about if you're pressed for time and you just don't have time for any of this? As I said, one of the ways to deal with this is to have a checklist so that you understand and have worked out before you you get this contract on your desk, what the highest level of risk areas are for you in relation to each particular contract situation. So you might say liability and indemnity clauses are one of the most important and ensuring that the goods or services are delivered on time and to the quality that you expect are the other important aspects. If so, they would be the highest on your checklist 
and you would make sure that you understand what those clauses should look like so that you can quickly flick through your agreement, pull out those clauses and quickly review those with more attention to those sorts of clauses than, say, for example, the rest of the clauses in the agreement. So there's lots of ways that you can quickly deal with contracts if you're pressed for time, as long as you have the systems in place to deal with this. The other sorts of things I hear people say time and time again is that the contract was delivered to me in a click format that I ticked without reading it, which happens a lot today. So one of the things that I'd highly recommend is whenever that happens in relation to a contract that's relevant for your business, where the risk level makes it worthwhile, you should always make sure you have a copy of that agreement so that you have a copy to keep on file and you have a copy to review before you start using the goods or services. So even if you've clicked the accept to set up an account, if you haven't effectively started using the goods or services yet, you still have time to do a quick review of those terms and conditions to ensure you understand what you're getting your business into. Because these days, it's not just simple software services that use click forms. It's many other more complex services and good deliveries that use click forms. So it's important that you have a process in-house that ensures that you're capturing these agreements and that you have them on file somewhere so that if there's an issue, you've got something to go back and check back on rather than being reliant on your supplier. All right, so what are the action steps then coming out of each of these areas that we talked about today? There's four simple action steps. Firstly, institute a business-wide process of ensuring that no one ever signs a contract without someone actually thinking about it. Number two, if the contract relates to something that has been negotiated, keep notes during the negotiations of the key terms and ensure that they are contained in the contract. Number three is to get a checklist and to use the checklist for each contract that you have to ensure that you're looking at the right clauses. As we said earlier in the podcast, the amount of time that you spend on this process will be a direct, indirect proportion to the amount of risk that is involved in the contract. But have your checklist in place so that you can at least run through the contract quickly if it's something that's a low level risk. And number four, finally, ask for legal help if you don't have time or if you don't understand what you are reading. So don't just put it in the too hard basket, reach out and get assistance. All right, so that's all for today's very quick review over the sorts of clauses that you should be looking out for in supplier contracts. Just in a, as a quick recap, in this episode, we talked about the top things you should be looking out for in contracts that come across your desk. If you'd like more information about this topic, head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au for a free checklist of the things that you should be looking out for. And make sure you look out for this episode, which is all about contracts. And you'll also, on that website, find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you'd like help with any of the items that we covered today. If you would like help in preparing a checklist that is tailored to your organisation, or if you would like assistance in us reviewing contracts for you. And if you want, we can also help you to get on top of understanding what the elements are for you to take most notice of in the future if you want to review them yourselves. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening in. See you next time. 
Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au. Thank you.